already <laughs> oops uh, yeah tongue-tied today john uh, uh welcome everyone to the uh the publisher lab uh yeah, yeah I just... first. that's the first i've heard from you tyler yeah. like not coming straight off the bat so yeah what have you been up to you've been drinking or something no no absolutely not it's one of those things where rarely do i get tongue-tied i'm usually pretty good at talking but in this case um for whatever reason i just was like tripping over my own words to get us kicked off today that's okay. That's all right. How you been? Oh yeah, I've been really great. Uh, really good. Um, I've been off, up, up in Scandinavia in the last week, and I was up uh, up in the northeast of England. So I've been doing a bit of traveling. It's it's been it's been a really good week. Yeah, you missed you? Our, you missed our episode last week uh, where we had the Financial Times on. I, I highly recommend um, actually going back and listening to that episode if you were if you're a listener and having missed it. Uh, you won't get to hear the smooth vocal stylings of my buddy John Cole here, but you will have uh, Joanna Edwards, uh, who joined me to talk a little bit about some of the challenges that they have in marketing their site and kind of their business model and how it's changing, subscriber model. Uh, it's really interesting stuff, so I highly recommend going back and listening to that podcast if you haven't already. Yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed that. And uh, and actually, their take on or the way that they've navigated themselves through subscri- into subscriptions really well. I mean, they've got a super brand, haven't they? The Financial Times. So, you know, I guess that they've had they've had that for a long time. But, um, I, yeah, I, I I just found it very interesting how they've had to do this uh, juggling act between subscriptions and revenue, or ad revenue, I should say. Yeah, it's really interesting in general. I think large publishers, or well, not even just large publishers, but I would say all publishers are trying to either rethink or make sure that they're staying ahead as it relates to how they monetize their site. Um, you know, I think for large publishers, the challenges are a little bit more um, uh, not transparent in what the future is forward. But I think there are some basics, um, especially if you're a small to medium-sized publisher. There's a lot of basics that I think you and I were talking about before the show that people miss out on sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the noise level out there is is terrific, you know, coming from really what has been ad networks of old and what are now. Maybe, uh, maybe yield managers, maybe um, some of the, the smaller ad exchanges. Everybody's still clamoring at publishers to try and get, you know, try and get the traffic, trying to get the, the sort of feedback. Uh, so yeah, I was up, uh, I was up seeing a, uh, one of our bigger publishers uh, in person, which, you know, we don't do that often, you know, our, our systems are technology platforms, so we don't really sort of do face to face all that often. Um, although we are meeting Guardian next week, which I'm looking forward to. Although you'll be there via Skype, I guess. Yeah, we'll have um, to coming on to the podcast. Yes, we will. I will. Uh, I'll ask them. Um, so, yeah, I, I, was in seeing, I was in seeing this publisher and they were, they were saying, you know, look, we're really happy. Uh, we've been using the system. Uh, we get a ton. And, and I didn't realize how many they got. They get about 30 emails a week. Uh, from ad networks and ad providers and SEO companies and like every man and his dog sending emails to them saying, hey, we can make you more money. And it was just a reminder to me. It was like a flashback to, you know, I I have all these auto um, archiving filters in my Gmail, so I never see them anymore. But I, I still get these. It's just that they go straight into my archive. Because obviously we used to own, well, we still own a whole bunch of websites, so I still get those kind of emails. But I've forgotten what it was like to sit in a meeting and say to the guys, it's just so confusing. How, you know, are these guys good or not? I don't know. 
Uh, yeah, and I think, I, I mean, you know, we talked about it when we had our event, um, which you can go, actually go back and watch the full thing on YouTube now if you search uh, the publisher form on YouTube. Uh, but we talked about this. We kind of highlighted just how convoluted the space is, you know, from from publisher to basically demand. There's just, I mean, like to say that there are thousands of parties, at, you know, like at middlemen in there is an understatement. There probably are more than thousands and not for every single bid, obviously, but, you know, there are literally thousands from front to back in there. And um, what's really confusing about that, that whole, that whole aspect is, you know, we talked about this before, but, you know, there's people, there's, there's some partners in there that are making a difference that are contributing. Um, and then there's some that are contributing very little. And then there's some that are contributing nothing. And then there's some that are actually taking away. Um, and I think what, what can be confusing as a publisher is what, which of those things is actually making a difference for my business and which of those things are actually probably like standing in the way. And I think it's really, really hard. Um, you know, the guardian did their study where they, they basically were looking at, um, you know, where they bought their own ad inventory. They were looking where everything went and in some, you know, worst case scenario, they are, you know, only getting about 30% of their money back. You know, they buy their own inventory, you know, and for, you know, a dollar, they were getting 30 cents back. I mean, they were using pounds, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's still pretty bad, isn't it? I mean, major, major drop off. And so publishers, I think, listen to the, that kind of information in there. And it becomes even more overwhelming because even the experts in the space, I see it all the time because I monitor and com communicate with other uh, experts in different communities. And, and even the best ones, you know, if you start talking about something like this, they they'll say, well, well, what are you seeing? You know, have you guys used these these folks, or have you guys done this? What have your results been? Because you can tell there's this there's lack of confidence, and that even if you're doing something well, you still aren't sure if you're not if you're being taken advantage of, or maybe you're missing something. So it's it's a very difficult, complex space. Yeah, it is. And the the only way I, that I can see. Um, is to have every impression auctioned with as much demand as possible and make sure those auctions are fair. So in other words, you're not being told you're going to get paid one amount and actually get paid a different amount, all of that kind of stuff. And then, you know, doing testing, testing between the ad networks, testing between the ad exchanges, and then testing how many ads in what combination work, but also what are those ads, what effect do those ads have on your users, which a lot of people are not even looking at. So, you know, you could jam a whole bunch of new ads in and then you're going to make less money because the bounce rate goes up and people look at fewer pages. Uh, so, yeah, I, but it was, a, it was just a reminder to me uh, kind of how far we've come along in our understanding of it, but also how far there is, um, how much education there is still to do uh, to help people understand, um, you know, what are the best practices in the space like right now compared to how they were two years ago. It still has been a lot of change still. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting. Um, you know, you have the kind of advent of things like header bidding, and now people are talking about things like server-to-server -server bidding. And I saw, you know, there's there's still people, very large publishers that that have concerns about the, both of those technologies because of things like ad latency, which there are ways around and things like that. And I think what what the 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 part in the space that's difficult for people to kind of wrap their heads around is there are some people that are like way, way ahead that are doing things like server-to-server -server bidding or header bidding or have different types of ad sets that are really, really complex, but they still have these this lack of confidence in whether or not they're still 
they're still missing something or they're doing everything correctly. And then you have good sized, medium sized publishers that are out there that are still using technology in the ad space, the way that they were using it, you know, the way things were done eight or nine years ago still. And Mm -hmm. in some cases they may be ultimately getting the same results because uh, it's like the fake news, uh, the fake news uh, study that was done or that Digiday looked at where they were looking at um, fake news sites and actual news sites. And in many cases they were finding that the fake news sites were actually more profitable. And it wasn't because uh, it was because they had far less overhead, obviously, but then also they invested a lot less in ad tech and they were getting about the same results. And a lot of times you, you've got these big, big investments in ad tech to try, try to recoup the cost that you have in your, your site. And ultimately it's a, it's, it's, you kind of spin your wheels a little bit. Yeah. 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 Because you just end up in this hopping one, uh, one provider to another, to another, to another, and then you're just not making any forward progress. So that's, that, I think that's why that there, there are, there's a whole industry, um, you know, like the, the, the digi day events and, and those others, which are there to help people educate each other. And I'm, I'm totally behind that. And I think the more we have good, you know, journalism, good reporting on this, on these subjects, the better. Um, because then, you know, hopefully we'll get to a point where the entire ecosystem is more balanced, which is obviously what we're, we're wanting because obviously uh, publishers have been almost at the bottom of the list of priorities because everybody's servicing the advertisers' needs because the advertisers have the money they've got it upside down though because what really we want to be thinking about is how do we give the users what they want so they absorb the ads in the right way and we're still getting results from the advertisers but it's not it's not this this sort of skewed um uh it the 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 problem that we the problem that we have that isn't being properly addressed is from the money from the one dollar that comes from the advertisers to the whatever sense it is at the end of the day landing in the publisher's account who's taking what all the way through and how can we make it so that the value chain is like corrected because we we do you know the advertisers need the publishers too yeah and i think we've talked about this for a while and i I think it's not just us i mean everybody that's a major player in this space has said forever that the space needs simplification and I think ultimately that's probably probably where we're headed in a lot of cases. But um, there needs to be more data that's shared between people, like you said before, um, so that we really know who is contributing and who's not and who's adding value and who's not adding value. And um, that's where I think moving forward, we're going to see a lot more. Uh, you know, this is not just a ringing endorsement of, you know, our technology or what we do. But I do think we're going to see a lot more artificial artificial intelligence and machine learning and things like that in the space, because I think ultimately that's the only way you parse through all of this data, because I think we would all agree that this is a very data driven space. And that is the answer to big data that we've, you know, across all industries that we've talked about for a while. Um, Artificial intelligence, machine learning allows us to process this stuff in a way that humans simply can't. Yeah. And I I guess that moves us on to uh, the the next point that we were, going to talk about which is the monetization because right now um monetization of, of amp 
uh, I, I was talking to a publisher this week, and they're, they're totally all in with uh, Facebook Instant Articles, huh. and about 70% of their page views are, are being posted by Facebook. So they, you know, they'll put the, the article out, the article uh, appears, and then I think the other 30% is then monetized by their programmatic, you know, what people used to call a stack, but really the, the, their programmatic um, the way that they've optimized that. And that, that's what I was really talking to them about. But I was interested, um, how is, because um, you, you've been talking to the guys over there, how is the AMP product shaping up for monetization these days? Because it's been a few months since we talked about it. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, I was talking to our the CEO of our company uh, yesterday a little bit about this, and he had uh, him and I were kind of trading stuff back and forth because we both look at all the news that's out there on AMP. Obviously, we're very involved because we have a lot of publishers that are that are moving to AMP. We're helping people with that. Um, we have technologies that 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 parlay into it. Um, you know, Google, we, can, we contribute to the AMP project as well. Yeah, yeah we're made AMP project contributors. Um, for for those that aren't familiar with what the AMP project is, it, AMP actually is an open source technology, which means it's not just Google's proprietary thing. Um, they do they do very openly try to convince people that it is very much sponsored by Google and created by Google, but um, it is an open source project. That being said, um, in the beginning, whenever AMP was rolling out in the carousel, mainly, yeah, I mean, AMP very much today and you know was created for news news sites, and today it it still has a lot of those characteristics that are changing. You know, like. There are aspects of AMP where they want you to input an author and things like that. You know, not every mobile page makes sense for them to have, quote, unquote, an author, et cetera. Um, but with that being said, um, you know, in the beginning, whenever this was rolling out to news organizations in the carousel, um, Google would advertise that, you know, making 90 percent more revenue or 80 percent more revenue. And they were obviously just talking about Google revenue. And um, that's great, but across the board, all news publishers are saying, well, that there's no way this is true. Maybe you're making more Google revenue, but we're, as an organization, making less revenue from AMP. And so Google has really backed off that. If you look at anything that they've talked about here in the last couple months, they don't talk about AMP making more money um, from publishers because it's just the truth is, is it's not. And there's a, there's a good reason for that, and I'll get to it in a minute. Um, the, the thing that they talk about a lot are uh, user experiences. Um, so they're talking about things like how fast the page loads and how great that is for user experience. But we've talked about this over and over. There's really three metrics that are important to uh, measure, really measuring user experience. John, do you know what they are? I, I think I can remember. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and then time on site and page views per visit. Those are the three like cornerstones where you can say if the bounce rate's going down, the time on site's going up, the page views per visit's going up, then you know that the user experience is getting better. Yeah, so what's interesting is that there are some individual case studies that show that bounce rate has gone down on AMP pages, which you would expect. The page load speed is much better. There's a lot of studies on if your page takes like longer than six seconds to load, you lose like, I don't know, a significant portion of your, your visitors. So bounce rate goes down in a lot of cases. Um, but I don't know that it's that way across the board because when you think about how AMP works, you've got the swipe right, which takes you to another article, and then you've got the X at the top that makes the AMP article kind of seem like a pop-up. So I have never seen like aggregate studies on that. That being said, also, uh, time on site, because the page does load faster, in a lot of cases, your time on site 
goes down. And so again, you see individual case studies, you don't see aggregate data. And then the last one is page views per visit. Now, it's really important. So this is the one that Google is talking about a lot. However, put your publisher cap on here for a second, because this part's the really interesting thing. Um, when you talk about page views per visit, we're thinking about your site. How many pages on your site is somebody visiting? Well, AMP, when they're talking about this now, when Google's talking about it, they're saying AMP pages visited. And so that they aren't talking about just your page. They mean whenever somebody's on an article and then they swipe right to the next one. Now, again, this is mainly for news publishers. If you're just showing up as an AMP result in search, it doesn't occur that way. You can't do the, the swipe right. Um, but that's a great, the, the AMP pages visited uh, is a great metric for Google, but it's really not a great metric for anybody else. Um, that being said, the biggest problem with AMP, in my opinion, um, is that it, there's a lack of competition in the monetization space, like what we were just talking about. So the reason why AMP at revenue is less and why Google revenue goes up is because AMP is a simplified version of HTML and you can only have, it's a single tag. So if you've got a web, a mobile website right now and it's got, you've got first look, uh, first look bidders in there, you've got header bidders, you've got your DFP, uh, maybe multiple ad networks, you've got some kind of stack in there. Um, you've got to choose which tag you're going to use on AMP. You can't have all the all these different tags in different locations. You've got to use one single tag. And uh, if you that one single tag is Google, I mean, it's totally possible you make more money off an AMP page because it's faster, et cetera. Um, but if you've been used to monetizing all these different tags and you've kind of built this stack up that, that works really well for you, you're going to lose money when you go to AMP. It makes sense. Um, that's what's really so great about our technology. But the biggest thing is, um, I see people complaining about the user interface of AMP a lot, you know, um, because it is this simplified HTML, you see a lot of really crappy remedial sites, uh, on AMP and it's, it's really hard to bring your mo uh, your menu in, isn't it? To AMP if you're, if you're building, I mean, you can do that. And I think our, our AMP converter does that. Um, but that's one of the, uh, like you said, the metrics when Google are looking at it is like, Oh, time on site at Google and page views per visit for Google AMP have gone up, but for the individual site, they might have gone, they may well have gone down. I still think that it's actually, we're on the right track with AMP, that people, you know, getting getting towards AMP is better because it means fewer, fewer tags, fewer things jamming up a mobile page. It, ultimately, it's good for the user. I think it, almost everybody says, oh yeah, I've seen those. It loads really quickly, and then I can go to the next article. I think the users like it. What we need to do is try to work out how this can benefit publishers um, better. And I think AMP will change to make sure that publishers are well looked after. Yeah, I think it's one thing that's really important to, you know, you may listen to some of that and be like, well, I'm never going to AMP. Well, realize this, you, you know, you were just talking about Facebook instant articles a second ago and one of the publishers that was using them. The future forward is the application of these accelerated mobile interfaces uh, or technologies, probably it's a better term, uh, AMP, Facebook Instant Articles, progressive web apps. Um, these technologies are going to be the future of mobile browsing, um, and there's probably no way around it. And AMP is going to evolve. I mean, they're talking about it now. Uh, pretty much every week you see some kind of announcement from Google on what's changed. Um, when, when people talk about remedial interfaces and things like that, no, the HTML is so simple, it's taking the Internet backwards. I don't think that's necessarily a fair criticism of AMP because the truth is, is 
you know, we have sites that we've worked with that are AMP that their AMP page looks exactly like their current mobile page. The biggest problem is, is that a lot of the AMP pages that are out there right now are done with really crappy converters or they're done by uh, remedial developers that don't have a full understanding of how to use the AMP HTML yet. So you're getting these bad, bad sites, bad user experiences. And so for me, when we look at AMP, I think you still have to look at it as, I mean, if I was to put my money down on Progressive Web Apps, AMP, Facebook, Instant Articles. Um, right now, AMP is ahead of everything else. Progressive Web Apps are coming, and it's yet to be seen how they'll be adopted. I think the future looks bright. Facebook Instant Articles, I think, is a little bit scary for a lot of publishers because of the Facebook walled garden. But I think you look at AMP and you say it's got it's an open source project. It's adopted by a lot of different people outside of Google. Um, it does make your site much faster. It seems to be pushed super hard by Google. It seems like a good investment um, at this time if you're talking about taking a long view. If you want to make all the money you can possibly make right now, um, you probably want to steer clear of AMP today. But if you're thinking about your site as a business moving forward, um, you cannot just sit and ignore and wait till your hand is forced because by that time you'll be too far behind. Yeah, that's right. Don't wait too long, guys. I, I would suggest people test it out. And and watch the space on the instant articles question, Facebook instant articles. Um, you're not you're only allowed direct ad tags in there. And you're not allowed network tags, and you have to use the Facebook audience network to monetize those pages. It's, it's a tough. I think it's a very tough proposition for uh, large publishers, credible publishers, people that have spent a lot of their time building things organically. If you are a Facebook free or an uh, arbitrage type publisher, I think it, it makes some sense, but you put so much of your business in the hands of Facebook at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's just like, it's like any investment. You need to hedge your bets, you know? Yeah. You, uh, they would say with any business deal that they, how do I get in and how do I get out? Uh, I think uh, if you, if you look at, Facebook as a business, it's a, uh, I think it's a fantastic business. They've come out of nowhere. They've become basically the kings of mobile in two years, which is phenomenal. Yeah, Google's scrabbling to sort of catch up. And then we have we have the this situation where they are asking publishers to put that content inside Facebook. Guys, we'll monetize it for you. And then it. Uh, you have to get that balance. So I, I think AMP is actually, it, it's a good balancer in that market because some publishers are doing really well with Facebook Instant Articles, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just we haven't had the opportunity to test in there because obviously we can't get we can't get our, our testing stuff in there. Yeah, so we don't have quite Facebook. the data there that we do. From we don't have the data. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, Facebook don't like giving it up. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll find out about it, guys. We'll watch this space. We'll... We'll get on it. Um, so, Tyler, we haven't got a ton of time. Um, what else were we going to talk about today? No, I, that, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, I want to, we, we kind of want to revisit this idea of kind of the basics of monetization just because, you know, you had that experience just kind of being able to see the bombardment that publishers get from ad networks and ad tech and all that kind of stuff. And we just kind of wanted to, like, I don't know, more than anything else, just talk about it just to reassure publishers that if you, feel this like lack of confidence in the decisions you make. You're not alone. It's the way that everybody feels because the space is complex. And then I want to touch on AMP because there seemed to be this week in particular, this overwhelming kind of like backlash towards AMP user interfaces on sites and just that they weren't as 
you know, nice of a side or something like that. And to me, it's just, it's like of all the criticisms and all the things that you should be talking about with AMP, the implementation that some websites have taken with it is the last thing that you should think about. Because the truth is, is AMP really, if implemented properly, can be just as dynamic, good looking, whatever you want to, whatever terms you want to use as a regular mobile site. Uh, it's all these other things that you need to take into account. But like you said, um, if you thought, if you're thinking about it now and haven't put dipped your toe in the water and you're listening to this podcast, you're probably educated enough. You know what to look at. Um, get in there. See, see if AMP doesn't work for you and start collecting some data and using it on your site. Um, there are significant SEO benefits that keep getting measured. Um, Google can deny it however they want, but the truth is, is that definitely helps. It definitely helps. And, uh, and, and for those of you who haven't gone SSL yet, go SSL because, uh, that is definitely a little, um, little tick up. Yeah. We actually have, uh, uh, one of our publishers that writes on our blog, sometimes Dave Taylor, he's got a really great experience. If you go to blog.azoic.com, you can kind of read about his firsthand experience moving his site to SSL. And I know he's going to post another, uh, one here in a couple weeks to show, how his organic search has benefited, but I know him and I have been monitoring it back and forth and it's already kind of jumped up a little bit. So it'll be fun to, yeah. to report those results here in a few weeks. Cool. Okay, Tyler, well, it's short and sweet this week, um, but we, uh, folks, we will be back. Um, we will be back soon. And I think the next one we do, we'll do a monetization special. We'll spend some time uh, digging into some best practice stuff, things that people can do at home. And uh, yeah. Thanks for all the listening, uh, listeners, by the way. Thanks for passing it on because we have, I don't know how many, we're getting a lot of listeners now. Uh, I think we are officially the, the fastest, definitely the fastest growing. We might even be the fastest growing. Maybe, maybe the largest. I would say we're the largest independent, meaning that we are not sponsored by a, like a major um, uh, broadcasting network or something like that. But I, I don't even know outside of that. Uh, what their numbers are. So we are growing quickly and it's because of you guys. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Continue to help us grow. Uh, the more we grow, the more shows we can do, the more types of cool stuff that we can uh, do with you guys. So thank you very much. And uh, I'm Tyler Bishop. That's John Cole. And that's all the time we have today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.